Welcome to another All 22 Daily. I'm Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by Ray Cotto. Uh, yesterday, we kicked off talking about the interior of the offensive line. Ray, kick off today's discussion with Minnesota's John Michael Schmitz, which, by the way, sounds like he should be playing guitar for Elton John or something. Uh, sure, yeah. So uh, it's a, it actually is a good Friday. So I uh, can't wait to talk about him. So John Michael Schmitz, 6'3 and a half, 301 pounds. Uh, 32 and five eighth inch arms, nine and a half inch hands, uh, which is just kind of a little bit below the average of what you're looking for, for an interior lineman. Um, but from a height and weight perspective, pretty much what you could come to expect from someone who is primarily a center, but may have some flexibility, uh, between center and guard. So, uh, John Michael Schmitz going through my notes here, does all the little things, right? moves his feet consistently through contact, great hand placement, naturally works his hands inside when hand fighting. He's physical, gets good movement in the run game, is really good at diagnosing what's happening early on and providing help when uncovered. Solid physical help too, not just kind of, you know, patty cake and and just going into shield someone who's locked in with with another blocker there. So, he also saw a zero tech assignment versus Purdue and was able to anchor, so that's when the defenders just sort of head up uh, nose to nose with the center which can be a pretty annoying assignment for most centers. He seemed to handle that really well. He's not necessarily like a ferocious puncher, but not necessarily a catcher like I mentioned with Osiris Torrance when, in previous episodes. So, Overall, kind of solid athleticism, nothing spectacular in that regard, but uh, again, nothing that is really severely limiting. So is he a superstar? No, but he's actually a solid, dependable player. Absolutely. So we talked about this the other day a little bit, but how do we start to value the center position, right? Like in our game, it's one of the lowest valued positions uh, but when you're talking about an NFL draft and when to draft these guys, like what round makes sense to start picking guys like this? I would probably have him as a third rounder. Um, and it's, it's, it's mostly dependent on need, I think, because with center, there's four elite ones, maybe if that probably two elite ones and then two or three other good ones. And then the rest are just kind of just, average starters. So if you feel like you have something different, go for it because that could be an arbitrage, if you will, a nice advantage for you. But other than that, unless there's something that stands out and is special about them, I'm not drafting them terribly highly. Right. And the other day we talked about Peter Skaronsky potentially being a guy that should move to the center position. How do you think those two guys rack up against each other? I would have to – it's hard to do without having actually seen Skaronsky do it and just sort of projecting. But assuming Skaronsky could actually get the snap and step down and not necessarily um, have an issue with sort of the just natural feel for the position, physically I think he would be better there just because he is more agile and can open things up more in the run game for you as a result of that. There's there's just a lot more you can do with with an athlete like Skorowski at center that maybe you can't do with someone like John Michael Schmitz. But that's assuming the best case scenario for for Skorowski. So it, it might be one of those deals where if I'm not drafting for need anymore in a rookie draft in all 22 and I'm in round 5 or something and maybe I've I've already selected 
Skaronsky a little bit earlier. I'm taking John Michael Schmitz as like that insurance because I know he's going to be solid and mm. maybe not great. Maybe nothing that gives me an advantage week to week, but he's not going to kill me either. And then it's just a matter of does Skaronsky hit that ceiling or well, first does he actually convert to center, right? Assuming he does, then does he actually hit that ceiling? Right. It seems like the draft community likes Schmitz a lot. I keep hearing good things about him. I watch his tape. I like him too. A lot of the reasons you said, right? He's he's good with his hands. He's violent. Um, I like a lot of that part of his game. But I'm going to talk about Antonio Maffi, who's another big-bodied guard. He's 6'4", 338. And he played uh, both on the left and right side over his career at UCLA. So he offers some positional flexibility that I think has a lot of value at the next level, right? You're never sure where those guys are going to end up. And uh, if you if you played all his snaps in college at left guard, you know, you'd want to know that he can play right guard as well. And I think you know that with him. Uh, he was only a full-time starter for one year out of his four years at UCLA, which is a little concerning to me. But in that one year, he had a really strong 48, sorry, 88.3 run blocking grade, which was good for third among guards. And uh, Ray, I finally found a guy that I think you will love because he is violent. Uh, Mafi is one of those guys that just goes for kill shots any chance he gets. He loves to use his pads for initial contact, that top of his shoulder pad for initial contact. And uh, instead of just kind of using his hands for like the punch, he's a strong driver and never stops moving his feet. So again, just super violent, super strong. And I like seeing that at 6'4", 338. That's what you want to see, right? As a pass blocker, though, there are a lot of things that you want to see him do better. At times, he needs to do a better job creating space and control with his arms. He doesn't really do that. Like I said, he uses his body for pop instead of getting control. Um, and his pad level can be a little high at times, which I think is something that should be easy to fix at the next level. Uh, his grading reflects this, though. As a pass blocker, he had a 70.9 grade by PFF as a senior, and that was the highest grade of his career for pass blocking, which is concerning, right? Um, but I see a strong run blocker with good speed uh, and good strength. He gets to the next level pretty easily and uses his uh, length really nicely. So, you know, again, he's not going to be a guy you take in the first round, maybe not even the second round, maybe not even the third round, honestly. But if you're if you're in a position rounds five, six, seven, where he's still on the clock, uh, I think you you take him every day um, because the guard position is so thin. This is a guy that you'd want to take a bet on, especially if he lands in a run first offense like Baltimore, Atlanta, like those are just examples, but, but an offense like that with a really good running game. Yeah. He's, he's fun. He's, he's a fun one to watch. Um, but you basically hit, hit the nail on the head with him, right? I think his physicality and his aggressiveness is what gets him to trouble and pass protection more so than any sort of lack of ability. He doesn't have like the quickest feet, so he's never going to be an exceptional pass blocker that uh, on the interior there, but I think what I saw more of an issue was his aggressiveness. So like, for example, um, he's quick to help a, a fellow blocker when there's no one in his gap. Mm -hmm. And he just looks to basically just take his helmet and bury it in, in a rusher's just ribs, right? Which is what you love to see when, when you're help blocking there, right? But he doesn't have that sort of innate uh, awareness to say, okay, someone just vacated my gap. That means someone's probably coming from somewhere else to, to to fill in. And he's too quick to go ahead and leave his gap to go ahead and help someone else out and deliver a blow uh, in pass pro. And we saw that at times. I think I have in my notes here. Uh, it happened versus uh, Oregon near, near the red zone where there was a delayed blitz. 
someone dropped from his gap and he went and helped the left tackle with with the the rusher on the edge and then someone just came clean in and and got a hit on the quarterback because he was just so quick to find someone to engage because he, he just seems to just love contact and um so I, I think that's that's an issue but it's obviously much better than the inverse which is a just not being aggressive enough you you want to mm-hmm. be able to say okay i can rein this back in a little bit but the long and short of it is he's a power player he's a he's a bully um and and that's his calling card he leans into it with everything he does he knows what he is and he plays like it unapologetically which is just awesome to see and more linemen need to have that mentality Right. And I, I like that I didn't just see it on pass protection either, though. When he was run blocking, right? If he ever gets his hands on a guy smaller than him, he destroys them. He takes their lunch. Uh, it's awesome to see. He, I, 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 I'm not really great at doing in, interior offensive lineman comparisons, right? And you hate comparisons, but like you see some of the killer instinct that like a Ryan Jensen has, right? Which is like really fun. Like he's a guy you'd never want to play against and you want on your team. So that's kind of cool. But uh, Ray, any other thoughts just on like where you would take these guys? Uh, it's it's tough because because here's the thing, Mafi's probably the most fun player to watch. But there is a part of me that, based on the style of his game, and I think we saw this a bit reflected probably in his college grades, it doesn't lend itself to grading consistently well. Like someone like Avila, who we mentioned is a mature player whose assignment sound. No, he's not going to put people on their back as often, right? He's not as physical, but he's got that mature sort of steady sense about his play. Mafi's not that. Mafi is 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 a little crazy. He plays with his hair on fire, and I love it. But he's susceptible to misassignments. He's a little bit over aggressive, and pro players may take advantage of that. And I see him as a player with some variable sort of, you know grading week to week where there's some variance there and it might not be the most dependable option. So I would take him in an all 22 draft. I'm probably looking at again, late round three, maybe early round four. It's probably the right spot for him just because there is some scarcity when it comes to guards overall. Um, and he's not necessarily an elite prospect, but someone that will be a starter and will probably have some really high highs, but more lows than you might anticipate from some other players in this class. And since my uh, beagle is screaming on the top of his lungs, I think that's probably a good time to wrap it up. So thank you everyone for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all 22 underscore PFF and leave us a review wherever you uh, watch or listen to your podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Talk soon. Yeah.